Back in 2 Corinthians tonight, we'll be moving uh, just a little bit further over to chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This morning we looked, of course, if you remember, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, took a specific application of some things that uh, maybe we ought to consider in 2017. Uh, since knowing the fear of the Lord and knowing that one day uh, we will stand uh, in judgment uh, before him, we ought to remember these things we mentioned this morning to guard our reputations so that we can be effective witnesses. We ought to be compelled by the love of Christ, compelled to action, allow the love of Christ to move us into action every day. And we ought to remember that his love made us brand new creations. And so all the old stuff that happened in our past is not stuff that ought to drag us down today. He made us brand new beings. And of course, I think I mentioned this this morning. You already know this, especially as a Sunday night crowd. And I, you know, you look around and uh, say, well, this is a well-seasoned uh, crowd for the most part. I'm not talking about age. I'm just talking about in your faithfulness and your, your knowledge, I think. And, and so, but you know that this was not originally meant to be subdivided into chapters and verses. And so, well, I don't want to just stop where we stopped this morning at the end of chapter 5 because there are some more things there in chapter 6 that I think we can apply to our lives in 2017. So let's read just a few verses here at the beginning of chapter 6 and don't intend to keep you long. We'll take application of just a couple things here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, We then... As workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Let's pray together tonight. Most gracious Father, thank you again for the opportunity to stand here tonight. I pray that you would uh, speak through me tonight. Lord, help us all to receive the application from your word that you would have us to take for our individual lives. Be with us as we go through the remainder of this service and our week. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that pops out to me as I start to read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 Paul says, we then, of course, we then what? Well, back up a little bit over to uh, chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so in chapter 6, we then, as ambassadors of Christ. That's what we're talking about. We then what? We as ambassadors for Christ. He says, we're workers together with him. I want to stop right there. There's not a period or a comma, but we're going to stop right there for right now anyway. He says, we then as workers together with him. In the new year, in 2017, one thing that I think a lot of Christians need to remember is that we have one of the greatest privileges of any people group. And that is as Christians, we work together with him. We're not working on our own. We're not working on our own power or we're not just working together as groups of Christians. We are working together with him. I read that it's been called the noblest view of ministry to see it as working together in partnership with God. So back in chapter 5, he says our ministry is one of reconciliation, one of leading people to be reconciled with God. 
And doing that's often very difficult. Doing that is often uh, comes with a very high, what we see from a human point of view, is a failure rate, or a very high maybe dropout rate. I know I can think of just people uh, around my age, uh, maybe a little younger, uh, who surrendered to the ministry. And uh, a lot of them are no longer in the ministry of any kind. Very high dropout rate. Very, and, you, know, you know why that is? And this is my opinion for just a moment. It's that we forget that we're working together with him. And we're not working on our own. And that just doesn't have to do with preachers. That has to do with all church members. Because we're all called to work for the kingdom, right? And so since we're all called to work for the kingdom... We stop working a lot of times when we feel burnout or when we feel like uh, we're worn out or maybe, I love this line, there's my sarcasm, I've done my time. Oftentimes we feel like we've done our time because we're, we're worn out and burnt out because we forgot we're not working by ourselves. We're working together with him. And when we harness that strength, it gives us the ability to go on another day. It gives us the ability to harness that uh, that love and be compelled by the love of Jesus. But Paul was giving a reminder to the Corinthians that they weren't in it alone. They were working with God himself. And, you know, Paul faced uh, probably more challenges in ministry than probably anybody else we could come up with as far as, especially in the New Testament. But what kept him going was the realization that he wasn't in it alone. And over and over again through Paul's writings, we see this similar type of statement. Like over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, we're God's fellow workers. Same statement. We're, God's, we're working with God. We're his fellow workers. In Colossians, he said, for, for this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. Paul remembered that he wasn't working alone. He was working only under the power of God as God works with him. And then if we were to look over in Acts chapter 14, after Paul and Barnabas returned from their first missionary journey, it says this. It says, They gathered the church together and began to report all things God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Did you hear that? It says they told people what God had done with them because God uses his called people to do his work he never expects us to do it alone he does it with us as we do it in his power probably the best illustration that that I think of when I think of this uh, when, along, things along this line of thinking is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Paul says I planted Apollos watered but God gave the increase. Too often we focus on I planted, I watered, or I planted, somebody else watered, and nothing happened. It's because we've got to focus on allowing God to do the part that only he can do. And we are workers together with him and this great work of reconciliation and of drawing people into Jesus, the work he's given us, to do. So maybe one of the most important things that we can remember as we work in the church and we work outside the building and we work to build the kingdom this year is to remember we're working along beside him. We also need to remember the next thing that he talks about here. He quotes Isaiah beginning in chapter in verse 2. 
He says, for he says, quoting Isaiah, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul quotes Isaiah and then he says, look, now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. It's the day of salvation. Another thing we need to remember in 2017 as we move through this year is guess what? In the day and time when Paul wrote this, it was the day of salvation. Guess what? On January 1st, 2017, it's the day of salvation. Now here's something that we know about a day. It eventually comes to an end. And it ought to give us some urgency as we work for the kingdom of God, and we work alongside and with God in 2017, it ought to give us some urgency that, guess what? One day, the day will end. One day, it's going to be too late. What are we doing to reach the community around us? What are we doing to reach those around us who don't know Jesus as their Savior? There's somebody that's around us, maybe works with us in the place where we work, maybe goes to school with us, maybe somebody we run into on a day-to-day -day basis, and we really feel like they don't know Jesus as their Savior. What do you think about when their day of salvation comes to a close and you attend their funeral service and they're laying in that casket? Guess what? The day of salvation for them may have come to an end if they didn't accept Jesus Christ before they died. There's an urgency about it because today is the day of salvation. And there's coming a day when it's going to be too late. Paul's reminded them not to waste this opportunity. It's not the time to let society have its way. It's not the time to let the false teachers take over, as was trying to happen in the Corinthian church, and it's trying to happen in our society today. It's more urgent than ever that we as Christians not only live our lives in such a way that we point people to Jesus, but that we're not ashamed to stand up and present the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us because today is the day of salvation. There'll be a time when it's too late. Jesus himself put it this way. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night's coming when no one can work. The day will end. Last thing, and it kind of comes full circle to this morning. In verse 3, we see a tie back to this word that I used this morning, reputation. He said, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. And then he goes on to list a series of attributes there. But Paul knew that some people would reject the gospel. And we know that. As, as, as we go through life, we know there are some people we'll encounter and it doesn't matter what our integrity is like. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how we've lived our life before them. Some people are not going to accept the gospel. Paul said, I don't want it to be because of me. I don't want it to be because of me that they didn't accept the gospel. As we live our lives in 2017 and beyond, it's important that we think about that every day. Will the lost people around me fail to accept the gospel because of an offense that I've committed, because of something, some way that I've caused them to stumble? 
The original word structure in verse 3 leaves no room at all for an offense to stain Paul's ministry. Not saying that he was perfect. He's not. He admits he's not perfect. You don't have to read very much of Paul to realize that he knew he wasn't perfect. But what he's saying is that he will avoid anything at any cost to avoid being a disgrace on Christ or he would avoid doing anything or being anywhere that would cause someone to find fault with the truth of the gospel. Well, it kind of makes us examine our own lives in a new light. Some people say, well, there's nothing wrong with doing X, whatever it is. Well, you know what? The Bible may not specifically say that whatever that is is wrong, but you know what? If it causes somebody to stumble and not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, we ought not do it. So we ought to apply that truth to our life as we examine what we do or shouldn't do. Our life is our witness. And as we share the gospel, people don't care about whether or not you went to Sunday school. I can promise you, if you're trying to win somebody to the Lord, they're not going to ask you if you've got a perfect record in Sunday school. They're not going to care whether or not you work in the nursery. I do, but they don't. They're not going to care whether you work in Awana or they don't really probably even care if you read your Bible every day. What they care about is how you live. What they care about is how they see you interacting with not only them but other people. And we will either make the gospel attractive or unattractive by the way we live our lives. And Paul said, I don't want anybody to blame me for them not accepting the gospel. You know, our lives tell people what we truly believe. And I shared this earlier this afternoon. I had the privilege of assisting with Miss, Miss Marie Cochran's uh, funeral service. And as I told the crowd there, one thing that Molly told me, she said, you know, Brother Jeremy, her funeral's already been preached. It's preached in the way she lived her life, in the way she lived for Jesus. That's how you make an impact for the kingdom. By living your life in such a way that it really tells people what you believe about the gospel. So here's the question that I want to leave us with tonight. What's the gospel going to look like this year through the lens of your life? And through the lens of my life, how are people going to see the gospel? Is there anything before we dismiss? Now I will stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.